Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to episode 45 of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. I can't believe we're 45 episodes deep into Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. I still remember the day that I thought about making this podcast and then finally taking the risk. And I mean, it's definitely been well worth it. I've made a lot of great friendships and have continued to you know, bond with a lot of you amazing people. But nothing less, thank y'all for all the support y'all have shown me, whether it's been on Instagram, TikTok, or here on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. So once again, thank y'all for all the continuous support you show me. Now on today's episode, we actually have a couple hot topics to talk about. We will kind of discuss the current Jordan Addison to USC situation, and apparently it's being rumored now that, you know... USC may not be the only school in contention to land Jordan Addison right now, considering you know his asking price is about $3 million. Then during our NFL portion of today's episode, we will discuss the current DeAndre Hopkins situation, You know the current Arizona Cardinals star wide receiver, arguably top three wide receiver in the whole league. You know His, his six-game suspension for using performance-enhancing drugs, and it apparently went against the NFL's policy. Now he you know, pled his innocence and then decided not to pursue, you know, appealing the um, suspension. So it's a weird kind of situation we're in right now. I will discuss that obviously a little bit later. And then to end off the episode, we'll talk about two of the top prospects in all of MLB finally getting their first home run in the major league. Now, guys, before we do, you know, obviously start out today's episode, I do want to ask y'all to please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. As always, I'll make sure to leave a link down in the description below. And I just want to once again thank all of y'all for all the support y'all show me on a consistent and daily basis and just for always, you know, giving me a chance because, I mean, I love being able to have a small community that we have. And, you know, I'm not expecting to make big numbers or anything, anything like that right off the bat. But the fact that I'm still able to do this three times a week and post every single day for y'all, it's something that I love doing. So thank y'all. Now, now let's get right into today's news. And the first college football news that we actually have, it's regarding the Big 12 expansion. So the Big 12, obviously, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving to go to the SEC and probably about, I think it was like 2025, unless they have a buyout with the Big 12, you know, they will be sticking with the Big 12 until 2025. Now, you know, the Big 12, they're going to have to replace Oklahoma and Texas' spots with some new teams, which they announced that they would be bringing four new teams into the Big 12. Those four teams are Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU, which will actually make the Big 12 back to the Big 12, which it also begs the question, are we going to have to wait and see all four of these teams join the Big 12 in 2025 like OU and Texas are having to do, you know, going to the SEC? And... On Tuesday, we actually got some new developing news about the whole current Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF situation. Apparently, all three schools are negotiating a 17 to $20 million settlement with the American Athletic Conference to join the Big 12 in the 2023 academic year. So, obviously, this doesn't just affect football. This affects every athletic sport for the most part. And I'm really excited for this because now we will have with these three teams, the Big 15, I guess you could say. So, we'll, you know, we'll have Texas playing Houston, OU playing Cincinnati, which those will be some really good games, especially if Cincinnati can repeat the success they had this, these past couple years once again with joining the Big 12 and obviously UCF and Gus Malzahn. That's just going to be, you know, must-watch TV in general because now you're going to be having, you know, Texas Tech playing UCF, both gunslinging offenses that, 
can put up 70 points a game without any doubt. Obviously, defense is, doesn't really exist with either of these teams, but it'll still be entertaining to watch. So I think this is great for, obviously, the Big 12 because at least we're getting an early jump start on Texas and OU leaving, and we will immediately be getting some more teams in. Now, nothing with BYU has been said yet. I'm still probably going to expect BYU to join in 2025 at the latest. Now, obviously, because BYU, they're not a part of the American Athletic Conference, but UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are. That's why those three schools are negotiating with the conference. But from what I am reading right now, it looks like BYU will also be joining in 2023. So we will have, you know, the Big 14, obviously, until probably the end of 2024 when Texas and OU officially leave to go to the SEC. So pretty interesting news. I'm kind of glad that they're finally getting this whole transition period over with because that allows for, obviously, all schools to get adjusted to traveling longer distances because you have BYU up in Utah, Cincinnati's up in Ohio, and then you have UCF, which is down in Florida. And, I mean, Houston's right down the road from half of the Big 12 schools, but still, you know what I mean? It's still good to get acclimated. So, great news for the Big 12, obviously, getting Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF will obviously bring in a lot more attraction, too. Now, that's kind of the really only, like, non-player discussion for college football news we have today. Now, let's get into some player college football news. And the first news we have, it's regarding former five-star and LSU cornerback, now current Alabama cornerback, Elias Ricks. Now, over the weekend, Elias Ricks was arrested for speeding without insurance and having possession of marijuana. He was taken to jail with a $0 bond, so obviously he was let go. This is his first time, you know, being arrested with possession of marijuana so he probably will not face any legal trouble but at the same time it is still not worrisome but it's also something to be kind of concerned about because what if something like this happens again and he actually does get full-on arrested now he will obviously he'll probably face some sort of consequence you know Nick Saban making him doing some up downs or whatnot but it's one of those things where now Obviously, weed is not the worst thing in the world. Probably most of college football does it. It's not a shocker to anyone, but speeding without insurance, especially with the whole Henry Rugg situation that went down late last year, it just begs the question, why do athletes keep doing these things? Like, I know they probably in their head think, hey, I can get away with this and no one will know, but after the, but after all these incidents that have happened, in, especially in the NFL, and these are professional athletes, you know what I mean? These are just collegiate athletes. Those guys are professional athletes and they're making these mistakes you think they would learn from that you know not just for themselves but for the betterment of other people their family because you know how bad that probably hurt for Henry Ruggs and his family to watch him just throw away his career off of one stupid night and the fact also for the, the you know the victim's family having to you know be told hey you know your daughter was your daughter was killed in a car accident by a guy driving 160 something miles an hour so I don't mean to get too you know serious toned but I really do hope Elias learns from this and you know continues to ball out on the football field and just you know learns from his mistakes now we actually do have some commitment news regarding inside of the transfer portal now former four-star and Ohio State defensive back Andre Turrenton he is transferring to Tennessee now Tennessee they are pretty thin at the cornerback position but Turrenton being a former four-star and Obviously, Ohio State's made a lot of great defensive backs with guys like Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore. But Andre Turrenton is also a native of Nashville, Tennessee. So him going to Tennessee makes absolute sense. And I love what Tennessee is doing in the transfer portal right now. And I don't expect them to stop either, especially with the whole NIL situation going on right now. Tennessee is also rumored to possibly be, you know, 
in the contention, I guess you could say, to land Pittsburgh, you know, transfer wide receiver Jordan Addison, who won the Blinikoff last year and is kind of the, I guess you could say, the biggest news regarding college football right now, simply for the whole tampering scandal going on between him and USC. Now, we actually do have some more Tennessee news, and it actually is regarding the transfer portal. Former five-star and USC wide receiver Brew McCoy. Now, if the name sounds familiar, it's probably for good reason. Brew McCoy coming out of modern-day high school is a very, very, very highly touted recruit, number one athlete in all of the 2019 class. He originally enrolled at USC before he would end up transferring to Texas, and people probably thought, okay, he'll be okay at Texas. He ends up actually probably getting homesick, transfers back to USC, plays, I think, two years, really just was injured for most of the time, didn't see too much playing time on the field, and then he ended up entering the transfer portal a couple months ago. And just on Tuesday, he announced that he will be joining Josh Heupel in the Tennessee Volunteers. I, I mean, I, there's not enough words I can say for the the complete 360 that the Tennessee program football program has had. Obviously, the transfer portal for a lot of schools, specifically probably USC, how much wonders it has done for them. But especially for a program like Tennessee that didn't look like they had a bright future, you know what I mean? Especially when they had Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach. That was also when that, you know, famous McDonald bag recruiting strategy happened. So it wasn't looking good for the Tennessee football program. But when they but when they went out and got at the time UCF head coach Josh Heupel, it was a match made in heaven. Obviously, Josh Heupel brings a great air raid offense. You know, getting um, Virginia Tech transfer quarterback Hendon Hooker that was huge. And then just all the other little additions they got, it truly revamped that Tennessee team. Obviously, they unfortunately did lose to Purdue in the Music City Bowl, but nothing less the sky is the limit for Josh, Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers. And getting these key transfer portal guys is only going to continue to improve a team that already roster-wise looks very stacked. Now, the next news we have in the final, I guess you could say, college football news we have it's the whole Jordan Addison situation. Now, in case y'all do not remember, I did talk about it on Monday's episode, but um, Pitt wide receiver Jordan Addison, who won the Belenikoff Trophy in 2021, it had been rumored that USC and head coach Lincoln Riley were apparently tampering with him, offering him a $3 million NIL deal to come and transfer to USC, which it makes a lot of sense why he would you know, possibly end up transferring there anyway. Pitt, they lost a lot of their offensive coaching staff, they lost Kenny Pickett to the draft. They went and got Keaton Slovis, who was a USC transfer. Obviously is not definitely as good as Kenny Pickett, but you know, USC looked appealing the whole nine yards. I mean you got Caleb Williams as the quarterback. You have Lincoln Riley, you know, the young gun offensive genius as your head coach. And then you have the LA market, which is one of the best markets honestly for sports with, with teams like the Lakers the Dodgers you know it just all made sense now on Tuesday Jordan Addison he officially did enter the transfer portal he put his name in there now he says that Pitt is still you know an option for him do not believe that he will not go back to Pitt I will pretty much guarantee my whole life salary on whatever I make that he will not be going back to Pitt now it is being rumored that Texas Alabama Tennessee Pretty much any huge SEC school and ACC of or just any huge conference school, they're after him right now. Now Texas 
does make a lot of sense because Texas went out and hired Pitt's um, old wide receiver coach, which obviously recruited Jordan Addison to Pittsburgh, so it all would make sense if he went to Texas. But then you also got to remember USC is offering him a buttload of money. Texas probably could match that offer too. But at the same time, it just is really concerning that now college football is turning into a bidding war for a lot of people. And then not to even, you know, to add the cherry on top of what already, already is a great, you know, shake, literally, and I know you're probably like, why didn't you say cake, but shake, um, current Texas wide receiver Xavier Worthy, who had an amazing freshman year with the Longhorns last year, one of the few bright spots on that offense alongside Bijan Robinson, apparently he was being offered six-figure NIL deals by multiple, and when I say multiple schools, I mean multiple schools during the offseason. He chose to stick with the Longhorns, so I'm glad that he will be staying with them. I mean, they probably gave him an offer that, you know, it it wouldn't have made sense for him to leave regardless, but still, it's good to know that he did stay. I'm just... It just... It really alarms me as a college football fan of for so many years that we're finally at the... Okay... Guys are getting paid now like professional athletes. They're going to start treating college athletics like a profession rather than, you know, treating it like college sports. Because I want these guys to remember you can still have fun. Now, yes, it is a business. You want to get to the next level. You want to end up making millions in the NFL, obviously. But at the same time, you want to be able to enjoy the college experience. You don't want to be the whole time just not having fun, being a kid for the last couple years you have. And, yes, you're probably like, shut up, you know. These kids, their their dream, and I completely understand them chasing that. And that's why I'm not against these kids getting paid. I just think there needs to be some type of regulation against boosters and all these outside businesses that are connected to these schools paying these kids all these huge deals when obviously the university was in on it to get the kid. Because it's just, it's them using the loophole through the current rules, which technically is not illegal. USC and all these schools can do it. There's nothing in any NCAA rule book that says you cannot right now offer a kid an NIL deal as long as the university is not doing it. So a USC sponsor, they can offer him a deal. It just cannot be coming from the university itself, which obviously that there's going to be rules that are going to be changed. There's going to be regulations that are going to be made. But as of right now, I think this kind of shows flaws in the NCAA itself because they had years to prepare for these athletes getting paid. This is not a topic that has just been brought up. I mean, why do you think the whole NCAA football series got canceled? It was because the NCAA and EA were using these kids' name, image, and like. Or sorry, they were using their image and likeness, not their name, but they were using their, their image and likeness. You know, using a loophole to you know use these kids on a video game that they obviously made millions off of, and then that lawsuit back then, it finally got it canceled, which it was good and bad at the same time, because we all love the NCAA series, I mean, heck, I still play that game to this day, but, you know, I'm glad that things finally, progressively got better for these guys to get paid, I'm glad NIL got passed, I'm glad they are getting paid money they deserve, I mean, I completely understand 200 to 500 k depending on how big of a player you are, especially if you're in a huge market like L.A. I just don't agree with the recruiting methods and the tampering going on right now in college football. And I think most of y'all could agree with that, too, because we don't want to see a lot of these beautiful traditions in college football get ruined simply due to the fact that these guys are, quote-unquote, professionally paid now. So, nothing less. That's me done with the rant. But, guys, that is it for today's college football news. Things are going to continue to ramp up. Things are going to continue continue to be hot. I mean, we just have to wait and see how this whole thing goes down if he does end up committing to USC or if Jordan Aston possibly shocks the world and goes somewhere we didn't expect at all. 
Now, as we transition over today's NFL segment, I do want to bring up first former Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross and how just absolutely disrespected he was during the NFL draft. A guy that was a projected first-round pick going into the 2021 season and the 2019 season. Due to, I mean, he did suffer a lot of really bad injuries. Obviously, he had that back that back issue. Or that, was it? I think it was his neck neck slash back issue that he had to have surgery on and it possibly could have been career career ending for Justin luckily you know thank God he ended up recovering fully from it then he ended up suffering a foot injury and just things weren't looking the greatest form but if you don't remember during his 2018 freshman year at Clemson he put up 46 receptions on a thousand yards with nine touchdowns and most famously absolutely destroyed Alabama in the 2018 national championship game and from that point on, everyone respected him as a first-round potential pick. And even during the 2019 season, he still backed it up, putting up 66 receptions on on 865 yards with eight touchdowns. You know, very productive numbers. Unfortunately, during the COVID 2020 year, that was the year he had to sit out due to, you know, t- having that back surgery. And then during the 2021 campaign, I think it was during mid-season or early season, he did suffer a broken foot. But he still put up 46 receptions with 514 yards and three touchdowns. So very respectable numbers considering he didn't even really play most of the games. He only played 10, but half of those he was not even 100%. So, I mean, a lot of people, we didn't expect him to go first round in the 2020. Dude, sorry guys, can't talk. We didn't expect him to go first round in the 2022 draft, possibly a fourth to seventh round pick at latest. But when we didn't even hear Justin Ross's name called at all during the NFL draft, that shocked a lot of people, including me, because the NFL draft is all about potential, right? That's why we saw a lot of guys picked in the first round that shouldn't have probably even been picked in the first round if you're looking off of college success, specifically Cole Strong going to the Patriots, right? You know what I mean? Justin, you might as well have picked Justin Ross then if you, you, you think going off just straight potential. Now, I know the injuries are very concerning for a lot of teams. Obviously, that's probably why he wouldn't have gotten picked in the top three rounds. But to not even take a seventh-round pick to get a guy that could possibly end up becoming an all-pro wide receiver in the NFL is absurd to me. The Just the absolute traits and the length he brings to you and brings to your team as a great you know, red zone threat as well just doesn't make sense. Teams that need wide receivers, specifically in Green Bay, what is the worst that happens if you use a seventh-round pick that's going to be used on a guy that you cut right before training camp anyway, right? Like, what is the worst that happens? Now, obviously, he did go undrafted, but luckily the Kansas City Chiefs, they ended up signing him and give them a much-needed red zone threat. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is still there, but it allows them to have another option in those situations. And even better, he can make a lot of acrobatic catches that you won't even see most current wide receivers in the NFL make. So I hope he absolutely balls out with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know he will, considering that his starting quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks right now in the NFL. And I think if he fully is recovered, we will see that 2018 form of Justin Ross, and we will see him absolutely flourish in the NFL. Now, for the first technically news we have regarding our NFL segment is regarding the Atlanta Falcons and their defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. Now the Atlanta Falcons they're signing defensive tackle Grady Jarrett to a three-year 51 million dollar contract extension which it also does help the Falcons by lowering their current 2022 cap hit after trading starting quarterback and long-term 
longtime quarterback, Matt Ryan, to the Indianapolis Colts, which that also they took in a $40 million dead cap, which just means they lose $40 million because they have to pay it to him because they still owe it to him. So great re-signing. Obviously, Grady Jarrett has pretty much solidified the Falcons' defensive line for the past seven, eight years. It's been a reason why they've had a lot of great defenses. Obviously, not of recent, but they needed them. They still need a lot of defensive help, and doing this just continues to help them out. Now, the next news we have is regarding the Washington Commanders. Now, the Washington Commanders, they're signing offensive guard Trey Turner to a one-year, $3 million contract. This is obviously a low-risk, high-reward. I mean, Trey Turner is a five-time Pro Bowler. He has success in the NFL. During his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers last year, he definitely struggled a lot. Didn't look like the old Trey Turner that we saw in Carolina. Now, he will be reuniting with his former head coach and Ron Rivera in Washington, so that will be good. Maybe that helps him out. But for a team that needs a lot of off, you know, offensive line help considering they lost Brandon Sheriff, their all-pro starting right guard to the Jacksonville Jaguars in free agency, I think this is a great low-risk, high-reward for the Washington Commanders. Now, the next news we have is regarding the San Francisco 49ers. They have re-signed cornerback Jason Verrett to a one-year deal. I love this, obviously, for the 49ers, not because I'm a TCU fan, but I love Jason Verrett and what he does bring to your team. Now, Jason is mostly known for being one of the most injury-prone cornerbacks you will see in the league, but when he is healthy, he plays like a top-10 corner in the league. I mean, he's already earned one Pro Bowl selection, and he's been injured six of the eight years he has been in the NFL. Now, he's an absolute stud. He showed it at TCU. I mean, he showed it when he was at the Chargers the little time that he they did get to see him, and he showed it with the 49ers as well. So I'm glad the 49ers are giving him a second chance to prove it. Probably it's more of a prove-it deal, but obviously the 49ers, they do need cornerback help. They lost a lot of their guys to free agency. Now, I know they did go out and go get Charvarius Ward, which is good, but Jason Verrett can easily be an all-pro cornerback if he does stay healthy. So I think this is a great signing for the 49ers. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding the Los Angeles Chargers, and for some reason, they still have cap space after getting Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. Now, the Los Angeles Chargers, they are signing cornerback Bryce Callahan to a one-year deal. Now, in case y'all don't remember, a couple years ago, Bryce Callahan was considered one of the best um, slot corners in the whole NFL. So the fact that the Los Angeles Chargers, who do need a slot corner, considering that they have Asante Samuel and now J.C. Jackson on the sides, and then you have Erwin James as your starting safety. So this L.A. Chargers defense is going to be disgusting next year. Now that you have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa opposite on the defensive line and then the stack secondary, Make sure to watch out for the Los Angeles Chargers next year. And they also had a very impressive draft as well. Now the next news we have, it's regarding the New Orleans Saints. The Saints finally fixed their current safety situation. Obviously they lost Marcus Williams to the Baltimore Ravens via free agency. And they just really couldn't find a great solution. They did get Marcus May from the New York Jets, which that is an amazing pickup. But now they need someone on the opposite end. They do have um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He'll probably end up being playing corner still. But nothing less, New Orleans Saints, they are signing star-strong safety Tyron Matthew to a $33 million three-year deal. Now, I know I said that backwards. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But Tyron Matthew, after having an impressive tenure with the Kansas City Chiefs, was kind of stunned himself that the Chiefs didn't, you know, want him to stay with them. Instead, they pursued Justin Reed, the younger version. 
and obviously Tyron entered free agency. Now, we never really knew where he was going to go. I had a gut instinct that he probably would end up in New Orleans considering he is from Louisiana, and also he went to college at LSU and was a Heisman finalist at LSU. So it all made sense. You know, Saints, they needed secondary help, and now they're getting one of the best safeties in the whole league for a very cheap price, too. I think he's only guaranteed like $16 million out of that contract as well. So, huge pickup for the Saints, who obviously are not in the greatest cap situation still. But getting a guy like Tyron Matthew, a veteran presence, when you have a lot of young guys, is absolutely fantastic for the New Orleans Saints. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding the Atlanta Falcons. And this is just some, kind of some small news. The Falcons, they're releasing running back Mike Davis. And what's funny to me is during the 2020 year, Mike Davis kind of had, I guess you could say, a career year. He rushed for 642 yards on 165 carries with six touchdowns as well. And he also had a pretty decent amount of you know, entertaining highlights. A lot of them ended up on SportsCenter, ESPN, and whatnot. So it looked like, you know, they had a great number two back in Carolina alongside Christian McCaffrey at the number one. But things didn't work out that way. Mike Davis instead entered for agency, ended up signing with Atlanta in 2021. And during the 2021 campaign, didn't really have that great of a year. I mean, obviously, we saw how bad the Falcons were during the year. He rushed for 503 yards on 138 carries with three touchdowns. Still not the worst. I mean, he had about 30 less carries, but he also had three less touchdowns. And I guess you could say he is more of a power back, kind of a third down, if you want to say. Because, I mean, he had 38 first downs in the 2020 campaign, and then but then he had only eight. Oh, he had 21 in the 21 campaign, so nothing less. There's a decent free agent out there. Expect probably a lot of teams to be after him. They'll probably sign him cheap, once again, like a $2 million, $3 million a year contract. But it doesn't really shock me. I figured, you know, Falcons are going to really be taking this whole rebuilding thing seriously, and they're going to have to do that by getting rid of a lot of old veterans. Now the next news we have, it's regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are declining linebacker Devin Bush's fifth-year option. This is kind of disappointing to me because I loved what I saw out of Devin Bush. He was coming out of Michigan in 2017, possessed a lot of what you'd want for a Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker. I mean, the rich history they have on defense, he seemed to fit right into that. Um, he had an amazing rookie year. And then things just slowly started to decline. He dealt with a lot of injuries and never really seemed to be on the field that much. But Pittsburgh kept giving him chance after chance after chance. And then during the 21 season, he just kind of didn't really play that well. I mean, I mean, he, I think he dealt with some injuries, but it mostly was just poor play. And this is why they did not accept his fifth-year option. So he will be playing on an expiring contract going into this year. And we'll have to prove to the Steelers if he wants to stay with the franchise. Now, for the major news, and this is that news I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, Arizona Cardinals star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, you know, D-Hop, one of the most recognizable wide receivers in the whole league, he is actually being suspended for the first six games of the season for violating the NFL's performance drug-enhancing policy. Now, the thing is, this is a drug test that happened back in November of 2021. So this isn't a recent drug test. This was a drug test rather during the season. And apparently he tested negative during the month of December and the month of October. So it kind of begs the question, Is he was he really dirty? Was he really doing something? Or was it just something he took not knowing that it actually considered 
was considered a performance-enhancing drug to the NFL. Now, apparently, DeAndre Hopkins and his agent and agency, they're currently working on finding out what was the cause of this. And he was saying about how he's going to get to the bottom of this, and it'll give us a lot more information. But in a tweet, he captioned saying, see you week seven. So I don't really know if he's actually going to pursue and appeal the whole decision made by the NFL, or he's just going to say, whatever it is, what it is, I'm probably not going to win it anyway. So he's just kind of accepting his fate. But nothing less, that kind of was shocking to the whole world because DeAndre Hopkins has never been known to be, I guess you could say, a dirty player, you know, who takes PEDs and all this. Now, a lot of times when you see a lot of these players taking performance-enhancing drugs, it's due to injuries. We've seen it with Will Fuller when he took it back in, I think, like 2020 or something like that. And obviously, he, he's fragile as can be. You touch him, he's going to get injured. But nothing less, this is a huge blow to the Arizona Cardinals because not only are they losing their number one wide receiver, they're losing one of the best wide receivers in the whole league but it also does put into, put into perspective the whole Marquise Brown trade to the Arizona Cardinals during the draft because we all wondered we're like okay this just gives Kyler Murray a lot more help alongside DeAndre Hopkins but apparently I would guess they probably knew about this situation or else they wouldn't have gone after um, Marquise Brown oh yeah Marquise Brown is on the last year of his rookie deal so I mean it wasn't like his trade value was going to be insane or anything but, once again, it does make a lot of sense because Kyler Murray is familiar with Hollywood Brown as they played at Oklahoma together in the 2018 season. Kyler Murray won his Heisman with Marquise Brown as his leading receiver alongside CeeDee Lamb. And, obviously, it was a match made in heaven, but the Cardinals probably knew, hey, we need to get another receiver instantly in here if we're going to be losing DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks. And we saw how bad it was during the playoffs, and we saw how bad it was late in the season when DeAndre was out with an injury. So, yeah, I don't want to say worry Cardinals fans because there's no real, real reason to worry. I mean, some of the huge losses you have is you lost Chandler Jones in free agency. J.J. Watt is kind of up in the air. I mean, who knows if he will be healthy. I mean, he seems to play a couple games and then he's injured for the rest of the year. So there's a lot of question marks for the Arizona Cardinals going into the 2022 season. But in my opinion, y'all will be fine, even though you will be losing out on DeAndre Hopkins for seven or six weeks. Y'all will be fine. Y'all have got enough offensive weapons to definitely last. Now, guys, that is it for today's NFL news. And I hope y'all did enjoy. I mean, there was a decent amount. Not a, not absurd like sometimes there has been in the past couple weeks. But I definitely felt like a lot of the news we did get was some pretty decent news. Now, as you all know, we get onto the um, MLB, NBA, whatever type section. Kind of the, all the mix of the other professional sports. And first, let's talk about the MLB and two of the top prospects in all of the in all of Major League Baseball. The first prospect we're going to talk about is the Seattle Mariners' top prospect, Julio Rodriguez. Now, Julio Rodriguez, he got off to kind of a slow start in the season. He has a 2.29 average with a 6.10 OPS, so not the greatest stats, but obviously he is a rookie. It's going to take him some time to get adjusted to the major leagues. Obviously, he's doing a lot better than Jared clinic for the Seattle Manor as well which was one of their top prospects which I have no clue what went on with him I mean he just seems to be in a slump and I do think they need to send him back down to the minors but anyway enough about Jerry let's talk about Julio Rodriguez getting his first major league home run I think it was on Saturday against the uh, Miami Marlins absolutely crushed it to center field I think it was like a 440 plus foot home run and it was definitely a way, you know, to get your first major league home run. And things are starting to look better for Julio. He's progressively getting better. And I think, obviously, Seattle, they've got 
<laughs> a stud in the works for them. Now, the next prospect I actually want to talk about is the Kansas City Royals' top prospect, Bobby Witt Jr. Now, Bobby Witt Jr., once again, kind of like Julio, had a slow start to the season. He was only batting 238 with a 637 OPS. So, not the greatest stats, but once again, still as a rookie, you have to give him time to develop. Now, on Tuesday, Bobby Witt finally got his first home run, and this came against the St. Louis Cardinals, which actually kind of surprised me because the Cardinals are one of the better pitching teams in the league. And, you know, Bobby hadn't been hitting that great all season, so the fact that he did get his first hit against the Cardinals was pretty cool. But nonetheless, he is the son of longtime MLB pitcher Bobby Witt, so obviously baseball runs in his blood, and I expect him to do great things for the Kansas City Royals going forward in his as I almost said NFL career in his MLB career. Now, guys, that will kind of wrap up today's episode. I'm not going to talk too, too much about the NBA playoffs or really, I guess, the NHL playoffs until we get to the Stanley Cup finals and then obviously some of the conference finals and the, um, you know, final finals for the NBA. But nothing less, I hope you all guys did enjoy today's episode. I know I enjoyed making it for you all. You know, let me know whether DM or comments, whatever y'all can find out, whatever y'all feel like y'all are doing. Let me know what y'all are doing this week. If y'all are going to any games, y'all are spending some time with family, or just simply doing some things you love. Now, guys, I hope y'all have a fantastic rest of y'all's day, whether it is today on Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this episode. I hope y'all have an amazing day, and I will see y'all back here again on Friday. Peace out, guys.